Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It is a Thursday, February 3rd, Flyers Daily Edition with Jason Mertides. Hope everybody is well. All-Star break is here. Flyers on break until a week ago yesterday when they'll return against the Detroit Red Wings and flying high, <laughs> flying high on a two-game win streak. It's been a tough season. A two-game win streak and a little time to savor it and enjoy it and not have any hockey angst for a little bit is a good thing. Flyers, uh, three points up on the New Jersey Devils, who also have played 45 games, 38 points for the Flyers, 35 for the Devils, and the Devils continue to struggle 1-9-0, lost six straight in their last 10, and uh, just not playing well. And despite the fact that New Jersey has some some good young players and took a, at a guy at the top of the draft and Jack Hughes, it still has not worked out for the New Jersey Devils. Maybe that's a bit of a cautionary tale. But in this episode, All-Star Break, Claude Giroux will be there this weekend. Flew out to Vegas yesterday uh, with his wife and young son, Gavin, as they uh, get set for the All-Star experience in Las Vegas. But I thought we'd take a couple questions on this episode, some Twitter questions. So now that the All-Star Break is here, we got some coming in. And Chris starts us off, CHHAM57, and he says, TK was very noticeable last night. That was the game on Tuesday against Winnipeg Jets, that 3-1 win. And uh, he said, is he a top six forward who goes cold or a bottom six forward that gets hot? Well, he's got top six forward potential. He just needs to be more consistent, in my opinion, Chris. He's a guy that he's streaky, and when he lacks confidence, you see in his game he just is not able to bury pucks at times. Now, he did have back-to-back 24 goal seasons. 24 back in the 18-19 season, and then 24 in the 19-20 regular season, but in 69 games. That's a 30-goal pace. He was an all-star that year, and that's just a season and a half, uh, roughly two seasons ago at this point, and he's a guy that you know we thought was going to take the next step, but when they came back for the bubble, TK's game wasn't where it was when they paused the NHL season back in March of, of 2020. And he hasn't been able to get it back with consistency since then. So I think he's absolutely a top six forward, but he's struggling right now still, even though he scored last night. And he was noticeable in the second and third period of that game against Winnipeg. He was also noticeable in that first period for two plays that weren't good. Uh, First goal of the game that they scored 48 seconds in when Kyle Connor, he just lost Connor in that situation. He's got a, he's his job as that winger was to mute him and he did not do that. And it wasn't a detailed enough coverage from Travis Konechny. And then on a power play rim, it looked like he just kind of gave up on a puck and the body language didn't look good. So while in the first period, I didn't think he looked good in the game in the second two periods, he did. Uh, he's a streaky player. They got to find a way to get him right. Uh, I think that he's a guy that they're, they're doing an evaluation on as well going forward on Travis Konechny. Uh, Jared, Jared tweets in, real Jared, says, uh, who do you want them to go after in free agency this offseason to replace Giroux's points? He said on 32 Thoughts this week, uh, Elliot Friedman stated that Kadri could be a target. Do you see any benefit as he will be another guy north of 30? You know, I was surprised to hear that from Frege regarding Kadri. Now, Kadri makes sense from the, the flyer, old flyer DNA. You know, a very physical player, a guy who plays on the edge. And while for, I agreed with Frege in the sense that that guy's got a flyer-type temperament to him, according to the franchise DNA, 
I'd be real careful. He's having a career year. He's been unbelievable this year. I think that he could even get some votes in the Hart Trophy consideration if he keeps this up through the season. He's a bit of a byproduct, obviously, of what they have in Colorado, which is unbelievable offensive weaponry. But he'd be a guy I'd be careful about signing to one of those big free agent contracts. I don't know that he's the target. I mean, Fridge knows more than I do and hears more than I do, but it'd be a guy that I would be leery of. So, I mean, I look at guys, I mean, you can look in the RFA market, you can look in the free agency market. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau is an obvious one. John Klingberg is one that I think they could consider because Ryan Ellis is your top pairing right side defenseman. But if you have Klingberg and Ellis goes down, then it mitigates the damage. I mean, Ellis really kind of hurt them this year being out, and it shouldn't be enough to sink. No player should be enough to sink a team, uh, but it's been a big effect. And can you rely on Ryan Ellis's health going forward? Is it is that a guy that is going to be healthy for the, the majority of the games year in and year out for the remainder of his contract? It's a big question mark, which leads us to our next question. Harris Lacey tweeted in and says, was Ryan Ellis damaged goods before he arrived? I, look, damaged goods to me would be a player that suffered the same injury numerous times. This injury is not an injury he's dealt with before. And last year, he dealt with an injury, eventually came back, played really well, and helped lead the Predators to the playoffs. But he hasn't had recurring injuries to the same place, same knee, same shoulder, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if I would call him damaged goods, but you know, one of the things that I firmly believe in sports— that as players get older, they don't get injured less. And it doesn't mean they have to have the same injury repeat itself or have the same area get different variations or degrees of severity of injury. But I just don't think that players get injured less. He's got a lot of wear and tear on him because of the way he has played the game. He's not a big guy, but he's played a big man game and a physical game. So that might be part of the equation. But, uh, you know, I don't know that I would call him damaged goods. And to be honest with you, I'd still make the deal today, considering what they gave up for Ryan Ellis and the potential upside. You may not see that upside this season, but hopefully we will see that upside down the road from Ryan Ellis because he is a really good player. Uh, Porkchop tweets in and says, when approaching the post-deadline team, depending on the moves, who are some of the under-the-radar phantoms to get better looks. Well, I mean, Isaac Ratcliffe is obviously one. Morgan Frost, I think, will continue, as will Cam York. Uh, we could see some other guys. We could see Lena Sandin again, for sure. Um, I'm not sure of the health situation of Tyson Forster, although I did look over to my right uh, at the Winnipeg game the other night in the press box, and he was sitting a couple chairs down from me and looked good. But uh, who else could we see? We could see some other players come in this year, and I don't know that you know, we're going to get guys that come in and just absolutely wow us. Uh, I'm looking for Cam York to wow me, even though he doesn't play a wow me game. It's a very calm and very, it's almost an understated game and a very cool under pressure type game. So, but I think we're going to continue to get a look at those players. Stagger Lee, my buddy Ed Riddy tweets in at OC Stagger, and he said, let's talk Kachuk. He said he's an RFA and sounds like he's not signing in Calgary. What would you give up, and what and what do you sign him for? He's the only uh, RFA I would look to sign. Now, you'd have to offer sheet him, and depending on what you offer sheet him determines 
you know, the amount determines how many draft picks you also have to give up. That's why the offer sheet doesn't happen that often, because not only are you getting a player that you're paying premium dollars to, but you also gave up a, a fair amount of assets to get them, especially if you're looking at a player uh, like Matthew Kachuk. Now, Matthew Kachuk would obviously be a DNA Flyers type player. He's very physical. He's got a ton of edge to him, and I think the Flyers need that. Well, he's not a guy that I look at and say he's a point-per-game player. I think he's about a 68-75 to point-per-82 guy. That's kind of where I look at him. He's not a superstar, although in this town he would be treated like one because of the way he plays. But I'd be careful. I'd be careful. He's not a guy that I would be adverse to, but I, he's making $7 million a year now. So what's that next contract look like? To me, he's probably looking for something that starts with a nine at seven years term. Now, he's young, so you'd have him a long time, but that's a lot of money for a guy that's not a point-per-game player. Um, Tom tweets in, Tommy's Cold says, do you see Frost as a 3C next season, assuming Coots and Hayes are healthy, or making the switch to wing? I think that, I mean, you'd like to keep Frost in the middle and depend on, on what he does down the stretch here. I think you could see him as a 3C next year, or you could also see him as a top six winger, pending how the remainder of the season goes. I was, I was talking to Bill Meltzer, and Bill was telling me, you know, after the last five games, Rost has looked consistently better and better and better. And it's not just about the offensive game. It's about all elements of the game. So what we see out of him after this all-star break coming down the stretch, I think is going to be one of the really important storylines going forward. Uh, at 207, Steele says, if Giroux and Ristolainen are traded, given Fletcher and Scott's comments the other day, will the key piece coming back in the trade be draft picks or a 20 to 22-year-old prospect on the cusp? Well, I think they're different. I think with Ristolainen, it's probably just a pick. But with Giroux, it's probably a first-round pick and one of those players probably on the cusp. So it depends on how many teams get involved, provided Drew were to waive his no-move clause and have a list of a good amount of teams, anywhere between four and six, so they can pit them against each other. And I think you can accomplish that. Uh, Jay Terso 98 tweets in and says, why don't we see offer sheets more often? was awesome when Bob Clark tried it with Ryan Kessler. And, of course, Holmgren, Paul Holmgren, uh, tried it with Shea Weber. Got Shea Weber to sign that massive massive offer sheet and the offer sheet was worth more money than the Nashville Predators were worth at the time eventually the Preds obviously begrudgingly matched that offer sheet and Shea Weber was a rich man <laughs> it still is but uh well we see, I don't think we see it as much for the reason I just mentioned a couple minutes ago is that you're you're getting a player you're taking a lot of cap with that player whoever it is when you offer sheet a guy and you're also in a situation where you gave up a lot of equity, hockey equity, NHL equity, draft picks, and cap space. When you're giving up cap space and draft picks, they're two of the most equitable things in hockey, especially in a flat cap or relatively flat cap world. So I don't know that you'll see it. If the right situation were there for the Flyers, I think that maybe they would pounce. But that is one of those situations where got to see how it plays out and got to see who's available and what that offer sheet would look like. Because, I mean, if you go over that certain amount, you're giving up four first-round picks. Now, you have to have the picks to, to do it as well. Flyers do. 
But that's a that's a lot. That's a lot for a team that is not just one young player away. You got to fill other holes. Because if that player comes in and yeah, if he's even he can be good, but if you have to fill other holes organizationally, you need those draft picks to either draft players in the first round or the other part of the equation is use them as equity to acquire NHL ready talent. So it's not something I would bank on and the offer sheet is is there and structured in a way to make it very difficult for teams to justify doing. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Another brand new one coming tomorrow. Some good questions there. We'll get to more questions on tomorrow's episode. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily.